Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. And today we are talking with a man who wrote a very powerful book about happiness called The Little Book of Stoicism. The author is Jonas Salzgeber. And I couldn't be more excited to have this conversation. Jonas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt, for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today about uh, Stoic philosophy and good moods, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, I am too. I'm so excited about this. And what you're going to learn from today's show is this happiness philosophy that was created over 2,000 years ago that is just as relevant today. Like they were dealing with the exact same human challenges and ideals that we're dealing with today thousands of years ago. So some of these names you may uh, recognize, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus, and it's just as relevant right now as it was in their time. But in, in, you know, if you're loving The Good Mood Show, be sure to hit subscribe so you can get a good mood every single week. And if you're already a subscriber, you know, make sure you share the good vibes with others. Leave us a review or text a friend who could use this message and let's brighten up the world. And Jonas certainly knows about being in good moods. He stumbled upon stoicism and got hooked. And at the core of this actionable philosophy, he says, lies a goal of leading a happy life, especially in the face of adversity. He shares his stoic strategies with people to gain back their confidence and feel ready to deal effectively with whatever life throws at them. His book has over 3,000 five-star reviews on Amazon, and his website has over 50,000 visitors every single month from people looking to improve their moods with his work. Jonas's goal is to help people like you and me become a better version of ourselves through ancient wisdom and modern science. So Jonas, in your book, I I just loved this line. It said, you and I are responsible for our own flourishing. That sounds pretty bold. What do you mean by this? Well, what comes to mind right now is a a flower, right? It's a flower that flourishes, that blooms. And this is natural, right? To the flower or to the trees or whenever we look outside at nature, that's always natural. But with us human beings, Beings, in a way, it's become a bit um, clouded or even lost that we do not so much flourish in life, or at least that's what I've observed and, you know, with others, but also with myself, uh, it's always been, uh, you know, a challenge to actually, you know, be myself and feel like I'm flourishing. But um, this responsibility actually is something that I learned from the Stoics that who say that, uh, yeah, you are responsible and, you know, we need to accept this responsibility and then actually it becomes easier because we take responsibility and try to, you know, just um, develop, you know, ourselves to, to the humans that we are meant to be and then we will flourish naturally. I feel that's uh, something that comes or is meant to come naturally, like with the flowers, 
that bloom every spring, right? There's the season. Maybe you don't flourish uh, all year around, but um, certainly sometimes uh, you're meant to flourish. I love this analogy of the flower. You talk in your book too about the grape seed. And and I th- it, you're saying this, we're meant to bloom. And I in your book, you talk about a grape seed has potential. Its greatest potential is to become this fully ripened grape. And can you tell me, you know, in your words, how the seed within us can become its fullest potential and ripen fully? You know, that's what we're probably going to talk about, you know, is to take responsibility for yourself and try to, you know, um, try your best, trying to be your best self and trying to, you know, live according to your inner truth, you know, with virtue. And if you do this every moment, you know, moment to moment to moment, you express your highest self, then you will get there. That's what the Stoics promised, and that's what I actually believe in. But, you know, to know you're in the truth, that's a whole different story because it might might actually change uh, on a regular basis. So, um, but that's fine. You you will just try to express your, your inner truth in every moment. And even if that changes, uh, you're still doing your best. So probably for me, still, that is uh, the answer, you know, to trying to express the inner truth. And if you don't know that truth, trying to actually go and find it, you know, look within, ask yourself the challenging questions and spend some time with yourself and, you know, finding out, you know, what values you want to live by and what's really important for you and then try to actually live accordingly. Yeah, and I I love this answer. And as you were saying that you didn't quite know what that full bloom was for you yet, I through the words of your book, it's very apparent to me that being present and living what we believe to be like fully present in the, our highest ability in each moment is our bloom. That is our fully ripening. And it, as you're saying, yes, of course that changes. You know, a decade ago for me, this idea of self-discipline was the highest ideal. Mm -hmm. And I dove into self-discipline. And at the time, I was so disciplined, I was taking a cold shower every single day to like strengthen this muscle of discipline. I did it for two years. I didn't allow myself to have the warmth of a warm shower for two years because I was really strengthening this courage and for me, I, I think at that time, that was my full bloom. And then I continued to evolve and that discipline piece and that courage piece was no longer the thing that was most central for my blooming any longer. And today, right now, the, it's unconditional kindness. You know, mm-hmm. as, as I walk through the world and I'm bringing just this unconditional kindness to all the people or circumstances or things or events that I see, I feel like now, right now, that is my blooming. And then in 10 years from now, I'm sure it'll be different again. But it doesn't mean I don't think that we can't bloom at each individual moment of our life or whatever you just said, you know, whatever's true for us in this exact moment. 
Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. I would love to just continue this conversation and go into this happiness triangle because it really is the crux of, of the teaching. Uh, and at the center of the triangle is this term I, I had, had not heard of, and it's eudaimonia. Can you describe what that means? I can try it. Uh, try my best. Yeah. So it's a Greek word, and I, you know, wanted to use this Greek word because it actually gets often translated as happiness. But happiness is a rather weak translation of this word because it actually means much more uh, good. So you daimon or this. Um, you know, your highest self or being in harmony with your highest self or with your soul or whatever you want to call it. For me, actually, it's it's a soul. I'm uh, a soul being behind all this body, right? And, and there's a certain connection that I might not always be able to, to feel, it, but uh, it's there. And I would say it's there with everybody. And so if we live in harmony with that highest self, then we flourish in life. So you could say it's flourishing or being excellent at who you are, at your natural being, or you can also say happiness, but with this in mind that it's depending on who you are, you know, that you're living according to your truth i when i when i read your words about this and you quoted marcus aurelius and and you said his definition of eudaimonia was dig within within is the wellspring of good and it is always ready to bubble up if you just dig and i just i love this idea and i agree with you wholeheartedly uh we are spiritual beings on a human adventure. And uh, the more I can connect with my soul, that is, I think, the highest expression of who I can be each moment. And so 2,000 years ago, in Stoicism, to me, I always thought, you know, you think of the word stoic and you think of people without emotion. It felt like a very rational uh, philosophy to me, very logical, linear, logical philosophy, not this like religious, divine philosophy. And as I, it was very apparent from your work that you were pulling out the divinity of this, of this beautiful philosophy, but then they used some very rational techniques to get to this highest self. And so you move to the next leg of the triangle. The, the bottom left is called erete. Can you describe what erete means? Yeah, it's another Greek word that translates as virtue, but for me, it's just, um, you know, in every moment trying to express my highest self or tr tr trying to live according to my values in every moment. So it has to do with with moment-to-moment -moment presence, actually, you know, being yourself. So that's what it means, you know, to express your highest self in every moment. 
And today we're, the whole world is obsessed with uh, this word consciousness or presence or meditation or mindfulness. You know, uh, Eckhart Tolle wrote that famous book, The Power of Now, that like swept the world like it was this big new idea that we be present in the now. And 2,000 years ago, the first leg of the triangle was to be present. And they used a different word. They said awareness. Uh, but this, it, this 2,000 years ago and 2,000 years later, it is still this very key philosophy for happiness or fulfillment. And that is to actually be where you are fully engaged in this moment and not lost in our mind or our emotions. The next leg of the triangle in the bottom right is focus on what you can control. This is a very key philosophy in Stoicism. Uh, can you describe what that means to you? So that's a key core principle of Stoic philosophy, right? In the very first line, actually, of Epictetus and Chiridion, there's written that uh, there's things that are beyond your con uh, control and things that are within your control. And you want to focus on the things that are within your control. And that's uh, just a few things, actually. It's, it's what you do. It's partially uh, your thoughts, but I would say the thoughts are not fully up, up to us, you know, they, how often do we have automatic uh, thoughts, just uh, constantly probably, but we have a certain access to them. So that's uh, a little bit of, of power that we can, you know, choose right now, a little bit of will there that what do we, what do I do with these thoughts? And more generally, all the things that are beyond our control are you know, everything that happens, you know, all the people, you know, how the world happens to be. And the Stoics, they say, hey, that's uh, too much, right? Focus rather on the things that you have control over. And that's mainly your actions. What do I do with the given situation? And I find that to be very powerful, actually, because with everything, doesn't matter what happens, you have a certain part that's within your control, namely what you do with it. And that's what this uh, second corner is about. It's everything. This is, this is reclaiming all of our power. When I feel victimized or violated or powerless, it's when I'm forgetting this corner of the triangle. And, 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 it's, and I just always, anytime I can come back to this philosophy that, what is in my power is what I'm choosing in this moment, regardless of what happened that was outside of my control. That's when I'm like, when I own my power, that's when I feel confident. And when I feel confident, that's when I feel happy, fulfilled, like ready to take strong action, regardless of what's happening. And when I forget this one, anytime I feel like a victim of anything, another person's rude comment, right? Or uh, traffic, whatever it is, I'm suffering. That victim, this idea, anytime I, I lose this one, I suffer. So um, yeah, I, I, I really, I highlighted that one. I put a million stars next to it just so that I remember this. Hopefully each day I can wake up and remember to focus only on what I can control. And you, you had said always, it's always within our power to make the best of our circumstance. There was, I was in a uh, meditation the other day and there is a survivor of the Holocaust and I can't remember her name right now. She's still alive. She's 95. 
And she was just a teenager when she went into the most horrific of circumstances. And um, her mom looked at her when she was going in and she said, you are in control of your mind. Never forget that. And she got to the place in the most horrific of circumstances of owning her mind. And she got so powerful internally, even though externally she was victimized to the highest degree of humanities probably ever that's ever happened. And she then started to have compassion for her captors because they were suffering and they did not own their minds. Oh my God. That's a beautiful story. A teenage girl was able to like become that much of a giant. Mm -hmm. But you know, you said we always, or that's maybe what I wrote in the book, that we always have this power to focus on or try to do the best given the circumstances. But right now I'm not sure that that's whether that's true or not, because um, sometimes when, when we're not present, when we're unconscious, it would be theoretically possible to, uh, you know, get back to, you know, this presence. But because we're unconscious, maybe it's not possible in this exact moment. And then we can only, as soon as we get, you know, conscious again of what happened, then we can, you know, reflect upon what happened and try to, the next time we're in a similar situation, try to, you know, reclaim this presence a bit sooner or, you know, just we can then reflect. But maybe in the moment, it's not possible. Because I find that, you know, it takes a lot of, lots of practice to, to get this presence back, you know, rather quickly, you know, because the mind is very quick to go somewhere else and might not always be possible to reclaim the attention. So, uh, yeah, I think it's not always possible, but with practice, uh, we can get closer there and we, if we use the right tools, you know, we can then still, you know, forgive ourselves mm. if we, uh, yeah, didn't do the best we could have done by, you know, reflecting upon what happened and, you know, seeing that, yeah, I wasn't conscious there. I was just somewhere else and I just acted out of the emotion or just unawarely whatever was happening, right? I was just reacting unconsciously and automatically and I didn't have power to choose this but then we will reflect and over you know over time with practice we will get better and in more and more situations we'll be able to actually choose the response mm. you know how we want to behave in this uh, situation yeah, and this is such a uh, key part of your book is between stimulus and response. And it's that time from stimulus, the, the thing that happens and the time that we respond, that time, that space in there is our power. Because of course, uh, if we got bad news, you know, somebody that we really love uh, gets a health diagnosis or somebody steals from us and we just find out about it or somebody says just something awful in that moment you know our, our, the we still are alive <laughs> we still have these human emotions and our thoughts come in and race and it's it it's it, it's not practical 
for us to say, oh, we'll just be unconditionally kind and see the highest version of this and where it's going to, to have the silver lining in that exact moment. No, in that exact moment, we're crushed. And I think this practice of living well is what you wrote in your book. The stimulus and our power is in the time we take to respond and saying these questions. Is the way I'm about to respond, is that going to, uh, is that going to be according to these virtues I want to live by? And if it's not, then maybe we need to stay silent. You know, what, what are some of the things you do when you get bothered emotionally to stop yourself from immediately responding in a way that then kind of traps you into a negative present? I often ask uh, this myself, actually, and I find that there's not much I need to do. As soon as I become aware, it's almost like it's enough. I'm not bothered any longer. This the awareness oftentimes is enough. If it's not, then I try to, sometimes I zoom out. I try to get some perspective, you know, on my situation. And this is from the Stoics as well. So you try to take the bird's eye view, for example. So really, I imagine like I'm zooming out and then I see myself from above. And somehow, almost magically, this perspective, you know, takes away, the, you know, the pain or this the emotions thing. Because uh, hey, it's hard to explain. It's really almost magical how this happens because well you see yeah i'm for example i'm just sitting behind this uh, computer and i'm getting frustrated over some or whatever it is but from the perspective above you see that well it's <laughs> uh, it's it makes you laugh right and it doesn't mean it's not you know cannot be annoying or something but this just perspective it it helps you get some distance and maybe this is uh, what's why it's so helpful because you get some distance between the situation and you and because the pain in, is too close then you are too close but once you have some distance you see that maybe these are just uh, my thoughts you know it's just a quick judgment of what they of the situation, it's my judgment and it doesn't need to be this way. And with some distance, then you can always reframe the situation. And for example, what I often do is try to find an angle. I can look at the situation to, to see that this is something I can learn from. I can grow with this. It's a challenge and challenges are always uh, here for me, actually. Even if it's uh, challenging, it's here for me because it's like a, stepping stool that helps me grow as a, as a, as a human being. So I would say I often do this, you know, zoom out if it's necessary. I the first thing yes. is to get aware. Yeah. And th those were the two key pieces uh, that I'm learning from you here. And, and the person listening to this episode is learning. The first piece is we have to be aware. Have to. Otherwise, the emotion is so powerful, we'll just be swept away by it. That if, if in the moment of the challenge, and I can think of uh, a conversation, I was having a phone conversation that I got swept away. 
and I wasn't aware. It's like it's like uh, the spiritual path, this path of happiness is always having an eye on the outside world of what's going on, but also we always have one eye internally of how am I feeling in this present moment because I agree with you. The, the times I have one eye on how am I feeling, then I'm just my awareness of that piece alone allows me not to get swept away by an emotion that's not going to serve me. Uh, and then I like this idea of, okay, I am getting swept away. I'm aware of it. I'm fully in it. I'm getting angry. I can feel it. I got the heat bubbling up in my chest. It's coming up my neck into my face. I can hear my voice wanting to crack. Uh, I love this idea of just zooming out taking a bird's eye view, like going into the top corner of whatever room I'm in and looking down at myself in this situation to create some space. Because yeah, I am, I'm too close to the emotion in that time. I just love this as, as a thought experiment to just say, okay, I'm going to zoom out. If all I did, if, if just the practice of sitting there, being aware of how I'm feeling, being aware of being swept away by strong, powerful emotions, and then taking a moment to zoom out, I'm creating space. And it's this space that then allows me to not just act, you know, by whatever thoughts the brain is throwing at me, typically survival thoughts like, oh, I need to get angry back so that I can puff up and, you know, defend my position. And then I can say, well, maybe this isn't the right time for me to respond to this. Maybe I even need a little more space. I, I do love to take like a whole day. It's the email, you know, you get that email that just, like you were saying, you're behind the computer screen, somebody sends you the email and, and you can feel the tension building. I love to take a day. Typically by the next morning, I can respond in a very, in a way that I'm not trying to prove that I'm right and that they were really rude for what they said. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you find the same, but I, those, were, those were great uh, actionable pieces we can take awareness. Uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle says that human awareness, just our awareness on something creates it. So like uh, an electron disappears when we're not looking for it and then reappears when the observer is looking for it. Like our awareness creates the world. And uh, just bringing awareness on our emotion, that alone, I think is enough. I really love that idea. Yeah. So and, the, you know, I think it's for a reason that we say you want to sleep over it, you know, because you get some space, as you said. And then because in the moment, yeah, we, it's, we like this distance and then we might make a decision that's not actually, you know, thought about and it's just in the moment decision, uh, which isn't always wrong, but it might be wrong sometimes and if we you know get some space some time to think about it or just to to leave it you know leave it time like uh, a dough you know give it some time right and then after some time over and yeah when you've slept over it yeah yeah it's it's clearer it might be much clearer you know I'll give a practical example for the person listening. Uh, last week, somebody very close to me in my company uh, called me and said, it's been a pleasure and I've been searching for jobs and found a new one and, and um, my last day will be five days from now. And I was so hurt 
you know, I, I can feel the emotions of hurt. And then I, and then I could feel myself wanting to get angry to defend how sad I was about this news. And, um, and I, like, I knew I'm like, oh, I'm losing it. I'm losing control because I had an eye of awareness on internally. This isn't, this, I'm not feeling right right now. And so I exited the conversation as quick as I could, but my tone was very terse. You know, it was, mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much. You know, and, and I just exited the call because I'm like, anything I say from this state is not going to be good. Uh, within, you know, so I get off the phone and I, I'm feeling the hurt. Then I'm feeling like, oh, how could they? You know, they were behind my back looking for these jobs. You know, why didn't they just come talk to me about this? You know, and I had all these like, like how unfair victim stuff, you know, the same thing we, I, we were just talking about, about being a victim and how that's really my least powerful place. An hour later, I had calmed down to the point I was able to send a text of appreciation. Like, hey, this past year has been wonderful. Thank you for all you've done. Uh, it's been a true joy. You have been a blessing to my life. And I sent that text off. Okay, so this is the first act of kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just, but I still felt hurt, you know? And so days later, I've got five days before it's the last day. I'm still feeling hurt. I'm still feeling like I want to say something like, you know, why didn't you just come talk to me? And I knew that every time I, I followed that conversation down, I'm like, the only reason I want to have this conversation is to prove to them that they were wrong about what they did. And that's not kind. And that's not who I want to be. And, and it's not going to leave the impression I want to leave. And it's just not, it's not living by my virtue. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I decided I would ask everyone on my team to write a thank you card and I would get a gift. And so I passed around this thank you card to everyone on my team for this person. And we all signed this thank you card. And then on the last day I handed the gift with this thank you card. And then, you know, here's a week later, all hurt, all sadness, all pain was completely gone. And what was left was appreciation. But I was leading with action that it was kind of contrary to my feelings at the time. And by the time a week went by, those kind actions, my my emotions caught up to the kind actions. And so that's just... Uh, just in, like this just happened this last week. You know, we're, we're a few days removed from all this whole sequence of things happening, but it, it played out in a way in my real life in exactly the way that I would hope it would. A beautiful story. And I'd just like to, to add that, you know, it's also okay to say that you're hurt and, or to, to let someone know about your feelings and say, hey, it's, a, it's fine. But here's why I'm hurt, because I, I thought you could uh, come up to me and talk to me about this. You know, it's also a possibility. There's uh, there's uh, many ways that lead to Rome. <laughs> so here with you, it's I think it's a beautiful way, you, you know, you did that you sent uh, first some appreciation notes and then you, you, you let your team uh, sign this appreciation uh, card. And, you know, because your emotions actually changed, I'm sure, so you did the, the right thing for you. But, you know, in the same situation for somebody else, it might uh, be different, right? They would need to to let the other know about their own feelings. For me, I think for me, this would be important to, 
because it might be valuable feedback as well, you know, for the other, because they didn't mean bad, maybe. They just didn't think about uh, talking to you about this. So maybe next time they would do it and it would make everything easier for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, I I weighed it and I agree. I needed to just, sometimes it is appropriate. Sometimes it's appropriate to say, hey, um, these are my real authentic feelings. And in, in this particular case, I thought all that would do, you know, it's not, I, once, once some, you know, once they made the decision, they didn't want to be here. I then started to see what's the silver lining. Well, the silver lining is this is someone who didn't even want to come talk to me. Right. I, Mm -hmm. they were not fully on board with the mission of me really want to brighten, brighten the world. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I have an opportunity now to attract somebody that is going to be so fully engaged that they, that I've got somebody that is ready to run through walls for trying to brighten the world. And so I started to see, to see like this opportunity also that was blossoming out of this. I didn't know that this person wasn't fully engaged, but it was a gift to find out that they weren't. Uh, and then mm-hmm. saying, and then saying, Hey, that hurt. I don't, you know, maybe that would have been kind for their future, but also it would have made them make, probably feel bad. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to make them feel bad for me to heal. I felt like I could heal on my own by acknowledging myself and my own hurt and loving myself, accept, accepting myself with that feeling without having to um, bring it to them and having them feel, you know, somebody says something rude. I don't always, not that they were rude, but somebody, you know, if, if somebody says something rude, I don't always have to put it in their face. Like, hey, you know, you're kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, doing the right thing is up to to you. You know, yes. you only can know for yourself. So even if we're in a similar situation for you, doing your inner truth or acting or behaving according to your inner truth might be different to what I do. And mm. there's no right or wrong. It's just you for your, you know, your path or your inner truth. And then that's that's absolutely fine. And maybe... In the future, you will do it differently. Maybe you'll do it similarly. It, it doesn't really oh. matter. Just the moment you try to do what you feel is best. I totally agree. So I've done a lot of work on leaning into this, to the knowing that I am eternal. And uh, you obviously have because you've got this. You've just totally nailed this philosophy. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation. It has opened my mind. Your book has totally opened my heart. You're doing just wonderful work in the world. And if you're listening to this show and you know someone who could benefit from Jonas and his incredible philosophy, send him a text, share, share the show, tell him to get his little book of stoicism. You know, and if you love the good mood show, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Jonas, there may, there's gonna be people that want to reach out and learn more? How, how can they get connected with you? Well, I'm not um, on social media for various reasons, but um, if they want to ask me anything, they can uh, send an email at uh, jonas at njlifefacts.com. And um, I usually reply to it, all emails, but uh, it sometimes takes a lot of time because uh, I don't like emails so much and or not every day. So Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks till I respond, but 
that's fine, uh, actually. But I'm happy to receive a couple of emails and they can ask me anything or you can ask me anything. Well, thank you so much. It has been a true pleasure and I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.